you. We're, we're really taking some time over the weeks, uh, just a few weeks to come, by looking a little deeper into our identity, really kind of discover uh, who we are, you know. Um, and I think as we get rooted in identity, it's such a, a foundational reality because um, identity really dismantles every and, 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 and all forms of inferiority. And oftentimes with, with inferiority in our lives, or the sense of inferiority, it, it creates the illusion of distance between us and God and us and other people. And so the Lord really wants to, to tear that down and, and, and open up our hearts and our minds to really see truth uh, over the, the, the course of this series so that we can really uh, move from, from our identity into to deep realms of intimacy with God and other people and then begin to step into our purpose. Because unless you, you, you have that connection to the Lord and to others, there's going to be a hindrance in some way to the fullness of what the Lord has. So it's going to be, it's going to be a good time as we gather together. Um, I'm going to be talking today about what I'm calling the law of love. And I want to just, I just want to set this foundation and, and have you understand this, that if God is the love, as the Bible says, right, and we're going to define what love really means at the very end today, um, and we are made in his image, then by our very design, we are created with the capacity to both give and to receive love. Does that make sense? So if God is love and we are created in his image, this is our portion and this is actually a massive part of our identity. If not, in my opinion, the foundational part of our identity in this life. Now, look with me at Matthew chapter 28. We're going to just jump off from here. And this is a scripture in verse 18 that we've probably read a, a lot of times if, if we've been in church for any uh, given period of time. And it's where Jesus is with his disciples and he tells them that he has been given all authority in heaven and in earth. And, and in this moment, what's taking place contextually, just so um, contextualization is so important because it really defines the content of what we're looking at. He is he has taken the authority that he has garnered in heaven and now on the earth, and he is giving it over to his disciples. He's given that authority over to them, and in giving it over to them, he gives them this commission. It's called the Great Commission. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, look at this with me. He says to them, as you're doing this, as you're making disciples, you're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here's what we want to focus on today. He says, teach these new disciples to obey. Everybody say obey. Obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, command here, by the way, is a legal agreement. And using a biblical term, it would be referred to as a covenant. So it's a legal agreement. He's transferring authority over to them on, in heaven and on the earth. And he's saying, go disciple nations and then teach them to obey all the commands of the legal agreements that I have given to you. Now, there's a psychologist by the name of Werner Earnhardt that says that our lives work to the extent that we keep our agreements. There's, there's something about how society, relationships, life functions in a healthy way 
as we keep the agreements that we make. But I have to, I have to be honest with you this morning, confess something. When, when I hear something like, keep all the agreements or the commandments that I've given to you, I feel a little overwhelmed. Does anybody else feel that sometimes? Like, all the commandments that I've given to you, says the Lord, can keep, you know, keep these. It's like, ah, okay, you know, like, it's a little intense, right? And just to kind of give some, some, some skin to this, you know, Wendy and I, uh, for the almost 28 years now that we've been married, we have a legal agreement, and it's called the honeydew list. Anybody know what a honeydew list is? Your honey says to do something, and you agree to it. Can I get an amen? And, and normally, for me, in, in the, just the, the flow and the rhythm of our life, I usually get this somewhere around about Sunday night so that I can execute these things on my day off, right, on Monday, and, 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 and thus fulfill the law of love. Now, now, because of the differences in our personality, for so many years in marriage, I thought that fulfilling maybe five out of the ten points on the honeydew list was fulfilling my agreement. And A for effort, you know what I mean? Like, and Wendy's personality, I don't know if anybody can else, else can resonate with this, uh, her perspective is, is super black and white, according to the letter of the law, if you will, and um, actually is, is far more accurate than my perception, honestly. Um, because if the agreement was to do ten things, then the fulfillment of the agreement was to do ten things, right? So just the way she's looking at it, she's like, now, in the Bible, um, interesting enough, there's, there's two distinct parts of the Bible. I think most of us know this, the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Old Testament and New Testament, and what exists within the Old and the New Testament, both actually, is what's called the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. I know that's a little little semantically tricky for us to fully grasp, but within the Old Testament, the you know, the, the book of Genesis all the way up through Malachi, and then from Matthew all the way to, to Revelation, New Testament, there are references to what's called the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and they're actually referenced in both. So, a covenant is a law of agreement, basically. That's, that's, what, it comes up, that's what it comes down to. It's a law of, of, of agreement. I don't have time to go into this this morning fully, but not all of the Old Testament is the Old Covenant, nor is all of the New Testament the New Covenant. For example, um, Old Covenant in the Old Testament is the law of Moses. It was that covenant that was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. That, that when we're referring to the old, old Covenant, we're referring to the laws of Moses. New Covenant is the law of love given by Jesus. Old Covenant, Law of Moses, New Covenant, Law of Jesus. Now, interesting enough, just to illustrate this briefly, in the Old Testament, 
there are things that actually are reflective of the new covenant. For example, the covenant that God made with Abraham. Because the covenant is agreement, an agreement that you enter into um, that has to be fulfilled. And do you remember the covenant that God made with Abraham? When it came time to sign the bottom line on the agreement that they were coming into, Abraham was put to sleep. And when he kind of comes to, he sees a fire pot and a flaming torch walking between the two halves of the animal, which is how they would fulfill the agreement. It was actually God the Father walking with God the Son and Holy Spirit was all up in their midst. So the point there is, is that God, when he was making a covenant with Abraham, was actually making a covenant with himself because it was, it was going to be surely fulfilled. It's, it's an imagery of what we see in the New Testament of the covenant of Jesus with us, this law of love, that will surely be fulfilled. I just want you to catch that. When I'm talking about new covenant or new covenant concepts that may even be mentioned in the Old Testament, there's something that are surely able and will come to pass. Okay? Now, Old Covenant um, started with the Ten Original Commandments. You guys have heard of the Ten Commandments. But did you know that by the time Jesus showed up, they had built upon those Ten Commandments, and these had grown to 613 commandments that they were to obey. Can you imagine trying to like get up in the morning and wonder where and how you're doing in the midst of the 613 commandments that you were supposed to follow? It says that when Jesus, the light of the world, came at this time to the nation of Israel when they were trying to obey these 613 commandments, it says that they were under this, what the word of God says was this shadow of death, and they were in a great place of disillusionment. Because they were out of touch with reality. In other words, their life was built on some legal agreement that none of them were going to be able to actually realize. Yet they thought that they could do it in their own efforts and they kept trying to to accomplish this mission. You see, under the burden by the should and must of the 1615 laws, Israel was far away from the truth. And trying to keep to the truth they were pursuing with their hearts. Why? Because truth to be truth must be actually experienced experientially. For example, I could say Jesus is the Son of God, which is absolute truth. Would you agree? But if I'm talking to someone out in the street... That has never experientially encountered the reality of Jesus as God. It's not truth to them. Are you following me? Absolute truth is absolute truth, and we don't budge on that. But, but Israel was out of touch because they weren't living in an experiential reality with the truth they were trying to hold to in their lives. And they were failing miserably. They were under disillusionment, and it was a shadow of death to them. So Jesus comes in the midst of their darkness, and he gives them this new command, a new law of agreement, a new covenant, wherein in this moment he passes his authority to his disciples, to disciple nations, and he teaches them these realities to obey. Now here's the deal. 
obey here is different than the word keep or the keeping of the old commandments. Look at, look at this with me. Obey literally is the word taro, which means to watch, to guard, to keep from escaping, like building a military fortress, or to, I love this definition, to be apprehended, to experientially be encountered. So, in... Other words, he is not talking about telling someone to do something like, here's what I have for you to do. I need you to obey me. Obey here literally is an internal experiential encounter with truth that ultimately has an external manifestation in our character and our resolve in life. So, the big question for us this morning is, what is this new covenant or this legal agreement that we are to watch over, to guard, to keep from escaping in our midst, and to apprehend? Well, Jesus, and I could give you a ton of scriptures on this, and you're going to have to go search them out for yourself, but in John 13, 34... He just lays it out. It's, there's no plainer verse than this. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment, a new legal agreement. Here it is. Love each other. Ready for your mind to be blown? Just as I have loved you. So he just doesn't say, love one another. He says, love one another just like I loved you. Wait a minute. This was the Son of God. The manifestation on the earth of perfect love, of agape. And he demonstrated this perfectly to the world. And then the new commandment, the new agreement that we are to apprehend, that we are to watch over as the body of Christ, to guard with our lives like a military fortress, to keep from escaping in our midst with all of our hearts, is to love one another like Jesus loved us. You know, in this, this life, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but a lot of stuff going on in the world, right? A lot of stuff going on in, in Christendom and in this whole following Jesus thing. And I think we all live under a lot of unspoken expectations in the busyness of life, don't we? Bearing down on us. Sometimes, they're, they're, how many of you know expectations can be burdensome, Right? So Paul's trying to help people out in, you know, in this Roman Empire, super busy empire, much like the empire of America today. And he tells them, he says, listen, guys, you need to get set free from something. And he tells them in Romans 13, verse 8, he says, owe nothing to anyone. In other words, be freed from the expectations over your life. 
that are draining energy from your heart, that are taking you off course, that are, that are moving you in a direction that's not the Lord. And he says this, he says, except for this one thing, your obligation to love one another. Now he says this, and this is theologically profound. He says, if you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For this commandment says, the commandments say, all those ones that were back with Moses, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covenant. These and other such commandments like it are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Verse 10, love does no wrong to others and so fulfills the requirements of God's law. You see, loving our neighbor is a contractual part of the kingdom of God that happens supernaturally in our hearts, that is non-negotiable, and that flows from an internal source of life. Now, the crazy thing to me is that in fulfilling the singular law of love in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, all the Old Covenant laws are made replete. Jesus says it himself. He says, don't misunderstand, in Matthew 5, 17, why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the Old Covenant commands or the writing of the prophets. I came to accomplish their purpose. Everybody say accomplish. Super important. Accomplish. Accomplish is the word replete. Which literally means plump or chubby. Now you can give an amen right there if you had a good dinner last night. Can I get an amen? You're like, I knew the theology for it, it would fit in there somewhere. But plump or chubby. But, but it literally means abundantly provided for and now filling your heart. So what Christ accomplished on the cross that came to make perfect or accomplish the law of God is now yours for the taking and actually is residing on the inside of your heart if you could actually have your eyes open to see it. Hmm. So because of what Jesus has accomplished, we now by faith have within our identity, by the grace of God, the divine enabling power to love other people like he loved us. John, it's, this is all throughout the New Testament. You're going to have to just look at it for yourself. He says in chapter 2, verse 7, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new commandment for you, but rather it's an old one that you've heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard before. So he's just telling them, you've heard this a million times. This is the gospel. This was the law of love. This was what Jesus talked about all the time. Yet it's also new. Now look what he says. He says, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment. Now look at this. This is crazy. And you also are living it. What? So there was a church at some point in history that turned the whole world upside down? 
that was actually loving other people like Jesus loved? Look what it says. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. The world is a dark place. People are bad. There's bad situations. Yes. But when we step into our identity, breakthrough begins to happen in the earth and in the places that we've been religiously avoiding for way, way, way too long. I just had the privilege, and I was telling Julie this this morning, I had the privilege to go to the UK and to Scotland and sit and be a part of a, a consultory training of leaders that were top-level executives. And, and me and two other guys were the only Christians in the room. And I saw firsthand what it felt like and what, what, it, what it could look like to, to just position ourselves as believers in the midst of whatever scenario and just see what God might be able to do with a willing heart that believed what I'm talking about. True story. We had people, you know, that had never gone to church, didn't believe anything about Jesus. They were clamoring to get into our groups during the exercises, during the training. We were giving prophetic words to them, and they didn't even know it. People were breaking down and crying. It was awesome. It was powerful. The possibilities are endless. And the thing is, we don't even know that love is chasing us down. Psalm 23, he says, Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue us all the days of our life. And then because of that, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that talking about some church building? No. It's talking about the presence of His love. It's chasing you down. Fighting until you're found. Leaving the 99, right? There's no mountain He won't climb up. No, you know... Shadow he won't light up. You know, there's no wall he won't kick down. It's, it's like he is coming after you. But here's the thing, and I'm wrapping this up. We resist receiving it, which is the paradox because it's actually what enables us to give it away. You can't give away something you haven't first received for yourself. But we resist it because we don't feel worthy of deserving it. Well, let me just let you, let you off the hook right here. You're not worthy of deserving it. And that's the scandalous mystery of this thing called the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The minute you think you're worthy of receiving it, you've, you've, you've abducted yourself from, from actually the truth of which God has come to bring. That you are highly favored, that you are loved by God. We don't feel worthy of receiving it because of all of our past failures of trying to keep a bunch of laws that we in our own strength never could have accomplished. And thus we're so detached from reality and from truth at the end of the day. Now as communion is passed, I, I, I need you to, to stay dialed in because as I close here, this is going to make this thing super practical. All right? Is everybody with me? When we live under shame and condemnation, 
because of our inability and our own strength to keep commands that we were never able to keep. Trust is broken. Hit your neighbor and say, trust is broken. Don't let them spill their, their, their uh, don't knock that out of their hands. Trust is broken. Now, trust is comprised, we think trust is just one realm. No, it's four realms, actually, as it, as, as, as it relates to trust. There, and it's broken into two distinct parts. Listen to me, because I'm bringing this thing home. It's going to make sense to you. We're going to wrap up here. But trust is broken into four distinct parts. The first one is capability trust. In other words, your ability to actually do something. I'm going to trust you because I know when I ask you to do this, that you have the ability to do it. Right? The number two form of trust is contractual trust. It means when I ask you to do something, we signed a contract, I trust that you're going to do it because we had a contractual agreement to see that thing happen. Now, here's the deal. Why am I saying that? Those two realms of trust are super important because these two realms of trust put something in motion. So, Peter, who we're going to end with his illustration... Jesus saw, by the grace of heaven, the ability that would be in his heart to actually be the first apostle to give birth to the New Testament church. And they talked about it. They actually had a contractual agreement. But how many of you know when things are put into motion, that something inevitably goes wrong in life? Do we live in a perfect world? Is this world a machine that just runs perfectly? Or when we take risks... And things are put into motion. How many of you know sometimes things break down? So the other two sides of trust then come in, very importantly, to keep things moving along, which is number three, communicative trust. Where we come into the midst of those spaces with honesty and openness. How honest and open are we with each other? How honest and open are we with God? And then the last one is committed trust, where we know the person is for us and committed to our success and not against us. You know what those two things do? They bring closure where there's been a breakdown so that you can leave stuff behind in the past and move forward into the future. Are you following me? This is massively important because we see with Peter... He's called, there's ability in him, there's the grace of heaven, God sees that he can do it. And he tells Jesus, I'm going to follow you until, until my death. And he blows it, big time, doesn't he? Because he's trying to do it in his own self, and his own strength. And so he's under this shadow of death. And so the resurrected Jesus shows up when Peter quit what he originally set out to do and has gone back to where he once was. Church, please hear me. When we talk about great fallings away and going back to... The reason we do that is because we don't understand the reality of trust and what God wants to do to break us out of where we've fallen short in the midst of motion being set forward. And it's time for the church to rise in this moment and come into her destiny and see the greatness that's within her manifest in the earth. So the Bible says that he finds Peter fishing who's been toiling, interesting language, toiling all night long. 
and has caught nothing. You know, that was probably the biggest gift that he probably could have been given. To bring him out of this space where he find him, found himself so confident in remaining in some old covenantal reality when God wanted to break him into the new. So Jesus says to him, how many of you know he knew the answer? How many fish have you caught, Peter? You see, the question wasn't for God. The question was for Peter. Do you remember what I said about you, Peter? Do you remember who you really are? Do you remember the call that I've had over your life? Do you remember the the things that we dreamed about seeing come to pass? And now you've gone back to this place and you're toiling in that place and you're no longer even successful in that place? Come on, how many Christians go and try to be lost and in the world again and they just find it absolutely miserable? Come on. When you've been in touch by God, you can go and sin all you want. And you are miserable. You can stay out of church. You can get all upset. You can do your thing. And you are miserable. Because you've been ruined by love. And you don't even know it. So you'll toil and you'll toil and you'll toil. And you'll stay up. And then all of a sudden Jesus will come to you. And in that moment when you think he's going to let you have it. Oh, Peter, I told you. I knew it. I knew it the first minute I met you. That you would blow it. He doesn't do that. He invites him into a conversation. In fact, I believe that a problem only exists in this world in the absence of a conversation. And God wants to talk to us. And he's going to be honest with Peter. How many of you know love is not burying our head in the sand or not being honest with someone? Sometimes love is tough. And we need to be honest. In fact, the church needs to rise up and take courage and start loving people by being honest with them as they give space for them to receive their honesty. But in his honesty, he wants to bring closure to a space. That Peter had been in since his denial. And he looked at the fish that are cooking over the fire. And he asked him a question. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? In other words, are you serving the task or is the task serving you? There's a big difference. Hundred and fifty three fish, the Bible records it, John twenty one ten. Look at it. I mean, I was thinking, who was on fish counting duty that day? You know what I mean? They had like a little scribe following the fish counter around. Okay, 147, 148, 100. Did you know true story? Scientists believe that the number, exact number of species in the Galilee at that time was guess how many? 153. He caught one of each. 
the potential for all nations, every language, every people group, every barrier set up in the earth that love could break through apostolically if Peter could love him, Jesus, more than the mission. The mission flows out of love, not the other way around. Jesus being committed to his success as he is to ours. How do you know that? Because I'm holding within my hand the mystery of his love. The beauty of his love. A broken body. Spilled blood. Given. So that we could step into something supernatural and quit playing church. And quit trying to obey a bunch of religious programs and rules. And take on the law that we were meant to carry from the very beginning. And that is the law of the love of God. And trust me, all of everything else that is to be fulfilled and will be fulfilled will come out of that space. If you love me, let's eat. If you love me, we take it in. to change our hearts. If you love me, we drink. Blood spilled. Stand up. Hold this room, please. And then he says, I was in Scotland this last week. All the sheep had just given birth to these little lambs. And they are the... I, want, I, tr- I wanted to bring a lamb home with me. But I couldn't get it through customs. It was a real bummer. But anyhow, the, they are so cute. And I went over to try to like pet one of these little lambs and mama bear came at me and man I mean the look of a mother sheep is terrifying I mean it is because there was such a guarding and such a watching over mom's heart for this one that was going to be raised up and grow and flourish in life and because of what we have eaten and we have drank. We're going to go and we're going to feed the lives of others. And we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. One life at a time. So Lord, would you have your way in our midst. Lord, would your kingdom come. Would your will be done. Lord, would you break people out of shame and condemnation and feelings of unworthiness. That is not their identity. 
Lord, as you be honest with them and with me, God, may we feel the pleasure of your love because you want to see us be successful. God, a father does not discipline his child except out of love. Lord, your longing is to see us go and to accomplish what you have for us even before the foundations of the earth. Lord, would you take us out of returning to the place of toiling, to staying stuck between parts one and two of trust and parts three and four? Would you come and begin to have conversations with people in this room? May people's eyes and ears be open to the voice of the Lord. May God, you speak to the human heart, and may you begin to interact with them, begin to dialogue with them in the secret place. May closure come. I just feel to say this over many of you. May closure come. Stop living in the past. Stop being stuck where you've been. Move forward. It's time. A page has turned. It's a new day. A new day has dawned. Come, Lord, and bring breakthrough in this moment. I'm asking you right now in the name of Jesus. Supernatural, spiritual breakthrough in the name of the Lord. Wow. Lord, come and let the head knowledge of love engage us and connect with us experientially in the heart. And then may we obey with passion, with fervor, with fire. God, may we build fortresses in our city. God, may we, we, may we just labor in the place of rest. God, to see something accomplished that God has already been manifest through the work of the cross. Cross on the Christ. Cross on the Christ. Christ on the cross. Jet lag. <laughs> Lord, we love you. We love you. We're going to have some of our ministry teams come up. Maybe today, maybe you don't know Jesus today in this way. For real. I think, I think there's a lot more people in our churches, you know, that, that, that need this message, that need to come into this, the rest of this message and the fruit of this message. And if you're one of those, we want to have a conversation with you. We want to talk to you about this one who loves you so dearly. If something about the time and the message impacted your heart, come. Do business with God. Bring closure to that, to that space in your heart and then move forward in Jesus' name. If you've got sickness in your body, come and we want to pray for you guys. God bless you. Have an awesome rest of your Sunday. Please leave uh, quietly and then we'll see you back here next week in Jesus' name. Amen.